last few weeks, we've been in a series called Renew. Can somebody say Renew? You know, I'm just one of those people, like, I love the month of January. And I, I know some of you don't, uh, but I do. I, I love it. I feel like it's the start of a new year and you can kind of just give yourself a, a clean slate and start over and, and put some intentions in place to set yourself up for success in the upcoming year. You know, like it just feels like it's a season of, of newness. And, and that's why we have been talking about some of the things that we think God would like to renew in us as we start this year. And, and maybe there are some things that have been, you know, worn out, or maybe they got pushed down to the bottom of the pile, but God wants to renew them. He wants to refresh them in this upcoming year. And and I think these messages have been for us corporately as a church. I I think that that we've been talking about some things we want to renew together um, as the Grace Place, but I also believe it's been very personal. God wants to renew some of these things um, individually in your own life. And so um, some of the things we've talked about so far, we started off with talking about how we need to renew our desire for Jesus. Now, how many of you know everything good starts right there? It starts with Jesus. That's what it's really all about, desiring Jesus to be at the forefront of how we live our lives and and any decisions that we make, and, and desiring Jesus to not only be our Savior, but to also be our Lord and our King, and, and that we would desire Him over anything else this world has to offer. And then last week, Pastor Sean talked about renewing our desire for the mission. Now, now we're not talking about our mission. We're talking about God's mission, that we would renew our desire to participate and to partner with God to share and show his love in, in all the places that he leads us and to all the people that he leads us to. And so this week, we are going to be talking about renewing our desire for the Holy Spirit. Renewing our desire for the Holy Spirit. Let's go ahead and look at our scripture text for today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to um, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 16. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. You can follow along with us up on the screen. So it's Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 16 today. Let's read it together. It says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, oh, it's a long list, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. 
This morning, I really believe that God wants to speak to us through his word. Not my words, but his word. So let's just pray uh, today before we get started. Lord, we thank you, God, that your presence is already here today. It's in our midst, Lord. And we just, we ask that you would transform us today by your word. God, I pray that you would just give us ears to hear what you would say to us today and, and open our hearts that we would receive um, the words that come forth and we would receive all that you have for us. God, I just pray that you would renew our desire for your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, so today we're talking about renewing our desire for the Holy Spirit. Now, now why is it important for us to desire the Holy Spirit? Why is it important for us to have a close relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, scripture gives us many benefits that we receive from the Holy Spirit, but today I just want to talk, uh, really focus on these two benefits that I see here in the passage that we just read. So the first benefit that I see is freedom. Somebody say freedom. Freedom. A relationship with the Holy Spirit brings about freedom. You know, in our scripture text, we see that there's this, this inward battle that continuously rages in the life of a believer. Uh, and there's a conflict between good and evil and, and right and wrong. And, and there's a conflict between our spirit and the flesh. Anybody ever felt that battle raging inside? I know I have felt that. And you see, it's because the moment you believed in Christ, you were saved and the spirit of the living God began to live inside of you. And the thing is, is that brought about this conflict because there was already a prior tenant living there, right? And, and that is our flesh. The flesh is that part of a person that is always in opposition to the things of God. So, so with the spirit living inside of us, we are given a new nature. And, and, and that new nature just longs to please God. But, but our old nature is still trying to push its way back in. It's still trying to impose its will on us. In verse 17, it, it gives us this perfect picture of what I'm talking about. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep them from doing the things you want to do. It's this tug of war inside of us, the spirit and the flesh back and forth, back and forth. You know, the Bible warns us about three different um, enemies that we have as believers. Um, the first enemy that we have as believers is the world. The world, the world is our enemy and the ways of the world. The world tries to, to pull us away from the things of God and to distract us and, and get us to live the way the world lives instead of what is pleasing to the Father. The other enemy that the Bible warns us about is the devil, we all know about the devil, right? He's, he's prowling around looking for someone to devour, right? He's out to get us. He's, he's on the attack. And then the third enemy we have as believers is the flesh. The flesh. You see, uh, the first two enemies that we talked about are outward. The, the world and the devil, they're outward. They're external enemies. And, and I think that the Christian's life would be easier if we only had enemies that were external, right? Because we can then, we can see those attacks coming and, and then we can guard ourselves and we can defend ourselves because we see the enemy attacking. But the flesh 
is an internal enemy. And it's relentless. It's relentless in its attack on us. There's a quote from Alexander the Great that I think describes exactly what I'm talking about here. He said this, he said, I have seen the enemy and the enemy is me. I've seen the enemy, the enemy is me. There's a famous preacher from long ago. His name is Charles Spurgeon. And he told a story of an up-and-coming preacher boy who was very talented and gifted at, at communicating and preaching and, and speaking, but, but he was also very arrogant. And he was very prideful, and he struggled with those things. And so one Sunday, this young man was, was preaching on the armor of God. And he, man, he was speaking about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And, and man, he had the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. I mean, he was pumped up. And at the end of his sermon, he boldly proclaims, I'm wearing the whole armor of God. Where is the enemy? Bring him on. And Spurgeon quietly whispered to himself, he's inside the armor. He's inside the armor. It's the flesh. It's that old sinful nature that constantly tries to enslave us and hold us captive. It wants to take control of our lives. Now, although this internal war inside of us, it's invisible to the people around us, but the words and the actions that come from that inward battle are outward and they're very evident. Right? Verse 19 through 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. You can see them. They look something like this. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. You know, I think Paul added that last line and things like these because he knew our human nature. He knew we'd be looking for a loophole, right? Like, oh, he did not specifically name my particular sin, my particular struggle, so I'm off the hook. And so instead, Paul just kind of throws this blanket statement over the whole thing and makes sure everything is covered and things like these. So none of us are off the hook this morning. You see, this is the gauge in which we measure who is winning this war inside of us, the spirit or the flesh. If those things that we listed before, if those are evident in your life, then you are being controlled by the flesh. How many of you are ready for some good news this morning? That's a little heavy, right? Like, I'm like, man, I'm ready. I'm ready. Give me some hope, Krista. Come on. Here's, there is some good news. The good news is, we don't have to give in to the desires of the flesh. We don't have to be controlled by our old sinful nature any longer. We have hope. We have a way out. Verse 16 of our text says, Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When we begin to desire the Holy Spirit, when we let the Holy Spirit guide our lives, we will have freedom from the flesh. The Holy Spirit gives us freedom from living in the bondage of that old sinful nature. 
But I want you to understand this today. Freedom over the flesh cannot be accomplished by our own strength and by our own resistance. You see, if we find ourselves living a life of defeat and and bondage to our flesh, it's not because we just aren't trying hard enough. It's actually that maybe we just aren't trusting enough. We aren't trusting in the Holy Spirit that he is going to do his work, trusting that the victory is already won. In your notes this morning, we don't get freedom from the flesh by our own efforts. We get it by daily dependence on the Holy Spirit's power inside of us. I'm going to say it again. We don't get freedom from the flesh by our own efforts, but we only get that freedom. We can only experience that kind of freedom by daily dependence on the Holy Spirit's power working inside of us. I just want to pause here for a moment, and I want you to ask yourself this question. Don't answer it out loud. Just just think about it in your heart. The question is this. Am I walking in the freedom the Holy Spirit offers or the bondage of the flesh? What are you walking in today? Are you walking in the freedom that the Holy Spirit offers or the bondage of the flesh? So the first benefit of the Holy Spirit that we see is freedom. And then the second benefit we see in our text, number two, is fruit. Fruit, a relationship with the Holy Spirit brings about fruit. Verses 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, so not only does the Holy Spirit help us to get free from that terrible long list of works of the flesh, but the Holy Spirit also produces these amazing virtues, this amazing fruit in our lives. Now notice when the scripture was talking about what comes from a life that's lived in the flesh, it called that the works of the flesh. And now when it's talking about this, this virtues, it's, it's, it's the fruit Right? Not works, but it's, it's actually fruit. You see, the works of the flesh are naturally practiced by us. But the fruit of the Spirit is supernaturally produced in us. See, we don't need any help with the acts of the flesh. Those come really natural to us. The works of the flesh are naturally produced by us, but the fruit of the Spirit is supernaturally produced inside of us. You know, it's, call, it's not called the fruit of the Christian. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And because it is the fruit of the Spirit, that means that these characteristics flow from Him and not from us. We cannot do it without him. He alone is the source and we are just the channel. Also notice that the fruit of the spirit is singular. It's not the fruits of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit. You see, when you're operating in the spirit, you don't get to pick and choose which fruit you want and and what you feel comfortable with. No, it's a package deal. 
You don't get to say like, oh yeah, I, I'm going to love people today, but I'm just really not feeling that self-control thing. Maybe I'll try that next week or something. I don't know. Like, no, you don't get to pick and choose. It is a package deal. The, the word fruit is singular because it shows us the unity of its purpose. You see, the spirit has one goal and that is to make us more like Christ. He wants to make us more like Christ. And, and when we are desiring the Holy Spirit, and when we are allowing the Holy Spirit to be in control of our lives, it looks like love. It looks like love, not, not the Hallmark kind of love, but the self-sacrificing kind. Uh, it looks like joy, the, the kind of joy that is content in Christ, no matter what the situation that's going on around you, that, that you just trust that God is in control. It looks like patience, the long suffering kind. It looks like kindness, you know, the, the kind of kindness that leads people to repentance. It looks like goodness, being good and doing good and having integrity. Man, when we are allowing the spirit to be in control of our life, it will look like faithfulness. It will look like the kind of consistency that endures till the end over and over and over again. It looks like gentleness, the, the kind of gentleness that, that brings a soft answer to turn away the wrath. And, and it looks like self-control, being able to practice restraint over our own inner desires and, and our own thoughts and actions and our own words. How many of you would like to have some fruit like that in your lives. Man, you know, I think that the scripture describes these characteristics as fruit because fruit is desirable, right? Like, like fruit is delicious. It's irresistible. I heard uh, a missionary who tells a story of a Hindu trader um, in India. And, and this man comes to the missionary and he asked him, what do you put on your face to make it shine? The missionary was surprised and said, I, I don't put anything on my face. You know, I'm not sure what you're talking about. And, and the, the Hindu man just began to lose his patience. And he said emphatically, no, yes, you do. Like all of you who believe in Jesus seem to have it. Like I've seen it in the towns of Agra and Surat and even in the city of Bombay. Like all the believers have it. Suddenly the missionary understood and his face glowed even more as he said, oh, now I know what you mean and I'll tell you the secret. It's not something we put on from the outside, but it's something that comes from within. It's the reflection of the light of God in our hearts. It's the fruit of the spirit that is evident in their life and it's shining through on their faces. Man, don't you want that to be you? Man, I, I want for people to see and experience that kind of fruit in my life. I want some people to be like, what's that cream you got? Tell me about that. You just, you got a glow, right? You got, what is that? And I would be able to tell them it is the fruit. You know, it can be tempting for us sometimes to look at, at these virtues and these characteristics of the fruit of the spirit. And, and we want them so badly and, and we want to try to go about uh, producing them all on our own. 
And maybe we, we do that through legalism or, or our own self-effort and we kind of make these lists and we establish these good habits because we're like, man, I'm going to produce some fruit. And it might look good from a distance or at a glance, but when you really get up close, it's kind of plastic or fake. Has anybody ever been to someone's house who had that big bowl of fruit on the table, right? Oh man, it looks so good. It's like bright, it's shiny, it's like perfect fruit, and oh, it looks delicious. Then you go and you try to take a piece and you realize it's plastic. It's plastic, like you got catfished, as the youth would say, right? Like you got tricked, there's like, it's it's fake, it's not real, and it's the same with spiritual fruit. Only God can produce it. Only God can produce it. In your notes this morning, good habits do not produce the fruit of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit working in us will produce good habits. Okay, so I'm not telling you not to have good habits. I'm saying it doesn't start there. It starts with the Holy Spirit's work. He is the one who produces the fruit. Good habits will not produce the fruit of the Spirit, but the Holy Spirit working inside of us will produce good habits. The thing about fruit is it's visible, right? Like you can see it on the branches. When you walk up to a lemon tree, you see the lemons on the tree. And if you come across an apple tree, you see the apples hanging from the tree. And so this morning, I want to pause again and ask ourselves this question today. Is the fruit of the Spirit visible in my life? Is the fruit of the Spirit visible In my life, like when people encounter me, are they able to see what kind of tree I am? Are they able to see what kind of tree I am? You know, we're talking about the benefits of the Holy Spirit and and how a relationship with him brings freedom and it brings fruit. And we can't produce either of these things on our own. We can't free ourselves and we can't fruit ourselves. Right? I thought that was really good. I was like, oh, I might underline that. We can't free ourselves. We can't fruit ourselves. We need the Spirit's help. We are desperate for the Spirit's help. And I think we would all agree that we want that freedom and we want that fruit. But how? How do we avoid living in the flesh? And how do we allow the Holy Spirit to have control? And how do we experience that kind of fruit in our lives? The answer is in our text this morning in verse 16, and it's very simple when it says, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. We've got to walk in it. You see, the Christian life is not a work. It is a walk. It's not a work. It is a walk. So how do we walk in the Spirit? Number one, we slow down and become aware of him we got to slow down and become aware of him. Some of us aren't walking with the Spirit because we aren't even aware of his presence. We're running so fast and our lives are so full and so cluttered that we can't hear him. We don't notice him. We don't see him. And if we want to walk in the Spirit, it's going to take a conscious effort on our part to slow down and to notice him. To see where he's moving. To see where he is going You know, we will be much more likely to hear what the Holy Spirit says 
if we're actively listening for him to speak. We are so much more likely to see the Holy Spirit's direction if we're actively looking for where he's going. Number two, if we want to walk in the Spirit, we need to surrender our will. Surrender our will. You see, the flesh has its own stubborn will. Our flesh wants to make all the decisions and then just go ask God to bless those choices that we made. But that's not walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is the opposite of that. It's surrendering our will. And when we surrender our will to the Holy Spirit, we begin to listen and we begin to trust his still small voice to lead us and guide us and direct us. Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. You see, it's the spirit that does the ordering, but we have to surrender our will and our ways and begin to take the steps and walk with him. Not only do we have to surrender, but number three, we also have to submit. We have to submit. It's not enough to just be aware of his presence and and to hear his voice. We have to actually do what he says. Isn't isn't that a novel concept? Like, we have to actually do what he says. When the Holy Spirit is directing us away from something harmful or, or that is not for us, you know, we often may have this sense of, like, heaviness and uneasiness in our spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is directing us towards something that's helpful and that is for us, we're going to often feel like an inner peace inside of us. And there's going to be an eagerness to see what God's going to do. And, And when we begin to acknowledge him and and we surrender to him we start to feel these things but then we've got to actually submit to those feelings submit to those leadings of the holy spirit and walk it out and do what he impressed upon us to do you know you can really tell if you're submitted to the holy spirit and if you're really walking in him when you can pray prayers like jesus prayed in the garden of gethsemane Right? Remember Jesus before he went to the cross and, and he's crying out in, in anguish. And, you know, he's like, Lord, if there's any other way, like, do we have to do it this way? If there's any other way, but not my will, but your will be done. When we have really submitted to the Holy Spirit, that's what our prayers will begin to sound like. It's fine for us to say, like, Lord, this is what I want. This is what I desire. I would really love to see you do this. But at the end of the day, Lord, not my will, but yours. God, like, I want to do what you want me to do because your ways are always better than mine. That word that's used in this verse when it says we are to walk in the spirit, that word walk is what they call a present active imperative. Do we have any English nerds in the house? Well, I am not an English nerd, so I had to look it up. And so a present active imperative, what that means is that we are not only commanded to walk in the spirit, but we are to keep on walking. It means we've got to keep on walking. We've got to keep on acknowledging him, keep on surrendering, keep submitting. It is a continual and a consistent and a daily process. We got to keep on walking. In that last verse of our text, Paul once again reiterates verse 25. He says, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Keep in step with the spirit. You know, a few months ago, I got a treadmill 
uh, for our house. And I'm not a runner at all. I do not like running, but, but I, I like to walk and, and I like to use the incline and I'm just trying to be healthier, you know, so I'm like, I'm going to get some, some movement into my days. And, but here's what I've learned about the treadmill is that whatever pace or whatever speed that it's set to, I got to keep up. I got to keep up. If I don't keep up with that pace, I'm going to fall right off. And I think that that's a picture of what this verse is saying. It's the Holy Spirit's job to set the pace. And it is our job to fall in line with that pace, to keep in step with him. When he speeds up, man, we got to speed up. And when he slows down, we've got to slow down. The Holy Spirit is actively working in our lives as believers and he's setting the pace for us and we can keep in step with him by being aware of his presence in our lives. And how do we be aware of his presence? Real practical, man, just take some time each day to pray. Take some time to be with him. We gotta surrender to him and and listen to what he says. How can we listen and hear what he says? By by reading the word and asking him to speak to us through the Bible. And then when he speaks, we've gotta submit. We've gotta do what he says and we've gotta follow his leading. We've got to keep in step. We've gotta walk and we've gotta keep on walking. As we begin to walk in the spirit, I believe we will experience freedom like we have never seen before. Freedom from the flesh, freedom from sinful desires, freedom from that bondage of that old nature. As you walk with the Spirit, your cravings begin to change. And you begin to crave and you begin to desire more of Him. When you walk in the Spirit, I I think we're going to begin to produce fruit like we've never seen before. I mean, our branches are just going to be dripping with fruit. The attributes of Christ will, will just begin to grow and multiply in our lives, and we'll begin to look and act more and more like Jesus. Church, if we want to experience freedom, if we want to see a great harvest of spiritual fruit, we got to walk in the Spirit. We must renew our desire for the Holy Spirit. He is the only one who can bring about the change we so desperately need. We've got to desire Him. We've got to be with Him. We've got to submit to Him. Renew that passion, Lord. If we could just...